Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Voice of Pancreatic Cancer podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Weinberg, with the Sina Magwitz Foundation. And if you don't know about the Sina Magwitz Foundation, we're a nonprofit that's committed to the awareness, prevention, and cure of pancreatic cancer. I'm so excited because we have one of our longtime advocates and warriors here today, Stan Viticus. Stan, welcome. Hi there, Miranda. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And before we get into your story and your journey, I just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do the work that we're able to do. Uh, so thank you. Now, Stan, I mean, you have had such an incredible journey uh, with battling pancreatic cancer. Let's start from the beginning, your diagnosis. Thank you, Miranda. And first of all, I just want to thank you and Roger and everyone else associated with the foundation. It's really a pleasure to be a part of this organization and to have an opportunity to be, to be a part of a podcast like this, to spread, spread hope and to share our stories to other survivors that are battling this disease. I, I really got lucky. Um, I, was, I was lucky enough to find my cancer early through an annual physical which led to some blood work, which led to some elevated enzymes, which eventually led, led to a CT scan, which identified a dilated duct. Then I went back and forth through a few procedures and eventually had a Whipple surgery in May of 2008 that discovered a two centimeter tumor in my pancreas. And um, that was the beginning of my journey. Went through chemo and radiation and so it, it was a tough journey. I eventually had another Whipple surgery about five years later due to some scar tissue, uh, a few bouts of pancreatitis that landed me in the hospital. But in the end, I'm fine. And 13 years later, I'm, I'm a very happy and lucky and successful survivor. And when you say caught it early, I mean, what stage did they diagnose you? Yeah, it was, it was judged to be stage 1B. And, and here's an important thing to share with everyone. Um, and Rick Schiffauer talked about this in his podcast. Please, to all of you out there battling this disease or someone who knows someone, don't get caught up in the statistics. Even in my case, I was told by various doctors that I had about a still only about a 30% chance of survival, even though it was stage 1B, even though my lymph nodes were negative, even though I had had a successful Whipple surgery. And I remember thinking, wow, I still have a two-thirds chance of dying. And even when I went to have my port installed and when I met with my oncologist, both of them that said, oh, it's going to come back and, you know, no one ever makes it more than two to three years. And I thought to myself, Wow, you know, I, I felt very depressed. I, I, I hadn't met any survivors at that time. I really wish I knew about the foundation then. But then my surgeon, my surgeon said to me, he said, don't believe any of that stuff. He says, you're going to live to be 80 and you're going to die of something else. I scraped that pancreas off. I, I cleaned off those blood vessels. I took another slice. You're going to live to be 80 and die of something else. And that's what I've stayed with. And that meant the world to me, that basis for hope and optimism. And we should all have that. What was it like, I mean, after hearing so many pessimistic opinions to hear that positive statement? I mean, from yeah, someone that you respected, your surgeon. That's a great question, Miranda. And I know that every patient who's dealing with this is feeling this. We all think about dying. We all worry about that. We all worry about the next scan results. And I thought about it every moment, every hour, every day. And then after six months or a year, it was maybe every other day. And then it was, you know, a couple days a week. And now, honestly, 13 years later, 
I think about having a sore ankle and having a cortisone shot in my shoulder. I think about dying of something else and I worry about all the other things that are going on in my life. So you will all get past that stage where you're thinking about it every day. And we have so many, so many positive stories just within the foundation. Camille, KK's, uh, Howard Young, many people who have successfully battled this for a long time that were stage four. And they're living and breathing and thriving in life. So please, if you're battling this, be optimistic. Maintain your hope because there are a lot of successful stories out there. Yeah, and, and you're one of them. I mean, as a long-term survivor, you've become a patient li liaison and really an advocate. I mean, uh, tell me about that, what that has been like. Yeah, it's been a really great opportunity. Miranda, when I was first diagnosed, I, I didn't know anybody. I literally could not find a human being who had survived pancreas cancer. And I'm not saying there weren't any out there. I just didn't know any. And so I eventually got involved with the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, which is a wonderful organization that is out there raising money, um, trying to create hope. They're doing advocacy. They're doing outreach to physicians and so forth. And I got involved in advocacy and I was involved in some large organizations that descended on Washington, D.C. June of every year. And I got to meet with Senators McCain and Kyle and Flake to advocate for federal funding. And one of the things I learned during that um, process was that, and I've said this before when I'd spoken, that cures follow money. I mean, that's the important thing is it, research and all of these discoveries that have been made over time, whether it's the March of Dimes campaign back in the 40s to eradicate polio, uh, the HIV viruses, which is now more of a chronic disease, breast cancer, which has a 91% five-year survival rate. And I always like to use the St. Jude Children's Foundation for childhood leukemia, for which the survival rate used to be 4%. Now it's 94%, and there are 10 million annual donors to St. Jude who raise at least $200 million a year. All of that happened $1 at a time. So funding and research and, and fundraising is at the heart of all of these cures, and it's what every foundation needs to make medical progress against this disease. And talk to me about um, your relationship with other patients that are going through this. I mean, being the liaison and, and being able to encourage them. Yeah, you know, Miranda, that's truly been the best part of this journey is the people that I've met. One of the things I did for Pancane, and I still do it today, and of course I do it through the foundation, is I get phone calls from, from patients that are either just have been diagnosed or they're about to have a Whipple surgery, or they've already had a Whipple surgery. And they call me and they ask me what my experience has been like. And it is so wonderful to share a positive story with them. And I can't tell you how many of them have said to me, oh, thank God I talked to you. Thank God that you, know, you were able to, we, we feel so much better now. We feel so encouraged by your story and we're not afraid of this. And, Thank you for talking to us. So I know how much that would have meant to me when I was about to have a Whipple and when I was diagnosed and I thought about dying. So, and then the people I've met through this organization have just been amazing. I mean, I, I, I want people to know, and, and I know tragically we've lost a lot of people. And, and I wanna to say to, to 
Melissa with Nate and Steve and Janine uh, and others and Kathy and Phil, I can't tell you how much their enthusiasm and optimism and courage about living just watching the Facebook posts and all of the things that they did. And Steve, the last time I was in the hospital with pancreatitis, Steve called me and encouraged me. He was going through far more difficult journeys than I was, but he called to pray for me and encourage me. So the people I've met, Miranda, have been unbelievable and inspiring. And their courage and their fight has inspired people beyond anything that you will ever know. It's been about the people, and it's been wonderful, and I'm so happy to share my story because it's been a positive one. Well, speaking of the family and being a part of such a, a powerful community, what brought you to the Senior Magwitz family? Yes, I, um, I live in Chandler, Arizona, near Scottsdale, and a few years ago, I, I read about an event. The Senior Magwitz Foundation was having a golf tournament in Scottsdale, and I like to golf. Not very well, I might add, but I do enjoy it. And so I got a few foursomes together and we came out and played. And I met Roger that day. And I also met Dr. Von Hoff, which of course is, you know, for any of you who've met Dr. Von Hoff, talking to him is just, just amazing and listening to him talk. And uh, I heard Roger say, if not me, then, then who? And I, that sold me at that point is that, you know, I'm a survivor. I was lucky enough to survive this disease if I can't go out there and advocate, and if I can't raise money, and if I can't do all that I can do, who can I ask to do that? So what I've committed myself to do is to ask, to ask others to help. And for all of us to remember that this foundation came, up, came into being because Roger, when he lost his mom some 20 years ago, he was incredibly frustrated by the fact that doctors told him there's nothing you can do. There's no hope. And, and Roger just said that that's not acceptable. We have to do something. And of course, it takes years. It took him years to build the foundation to where it is today. But he's raised like $12 million. And there's been multiple clinical trials funded by one man who wanted to make a difference, but he can't do it alone. We all have to help. The power of one person. Yes. Absolutely. And I think that's what everyone should realize is someone might say, well, I can only donate 50 or I can only donate $100. But when you multiply that by thousands, eventually you raise a lot of money. And, and Dr. Von Hoff and Dr. Doug Evans at the Medical College of Wisconsin, who is one of the, the premier surgeons in the country, they can do enormous things with that funding. And I think it's important to realize, too, that what Dr. Von Hoff is able to do with, with the funding that comes in is he can do these fast-track clinical trials with 10 or 12 patients. That's not something that a pharmaceutical company is going to do. They need thousands of patients and they need $200 million. But Dr. Von Hoff can do these fast-track clinical trials that start to discover things that work. And eventually a larger pharmaceutical company takes that and goes with it with a large clinical trial. And all of a sudden you have an FDA approved drug. So these are the kind of things that the foundation is doing and it's absolutely wonderful. And what's it like being a part of the foundation family and, and working with Roger after um, you heard his speech and, and were so impacted by it? 
Yeah, it's truly been amazing, Miranda. This this organization, I mean, I truly believe in it. Um, I, I know the passion that, that Roger exhibits for this work and uh, the doctors that are involved and the, and the nurses and Dr. Borzanzi. Um, and again, the patients, it's all the people that, you know, recently I've met Rick Schiffauer and within the last year met Craig and Tricia Helmers a couple years ago. And again, God bless you, Craig and Tricia. You guys have been a beacon of hope for all of us that are battling. And I, and I pray and wish for you every day because you are, you are why we do this. And I have met so many people like that, wonderful human beings. And Matt McLean recently, I, I had lunch with that Roger uh, turned me on to. And Matt, I think is cancer free right now after his treatment protocols. So there's wonderful things happening out there. And the fact that this foundation is doing that with its connections with Honor Health is just, I mean, it's humbling for me to be a part of it. And I, I'm just lucky to have stumbled into this organization and be a part of it. I'm, I'm proud of it. Well, we're extremely lucky to have you. I mean, you've been able to make such an incredible impact. I mean, you mentioned uh, your phrase of cures follow money. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the money that you've been able to raise. Yeah, when I first started this fundraising process, I think that first tournament that I played in, I might have raised uh, $2,500 or so, but I was excited to give those checks. They were handwritten checks. Uh, no one probably ever uses those anymore. But anyway, I gave him a collection of checks, and then maybe next year that grew to 5000 And I think now after eight or nine years, I've raised about $300,000, uh, and, and I have about 100 donors. And... So it's, it's power in money, right? Or power in numbers, right? I mean, we have 100 donors. We get about a 98% repeat rate, and I'm not exaggerating. Every year, I lose about two donors, but I pick up maybe 20 more. And part of that is because Roger calls every single one of them, even those who donate 50 or $100. He has that personal touch. But so it's grown to um, a couple of years ago, I raised 140,000 because someone was kind enough to donate 100,000. And last year it was 50,000. And this year I'll probably strive for maybe 65,000. And about a third of that now comes from corporate matching donations. So that's one thing I would like to share with everyone is that when you're asking others to donate or if you're donating yourself many corporations will match and as far as we're concerned that's free money so strive to find people who work for companies or or can ask their company to match the donation it's it's been very satisfying to raise that kind of money and and to get others involved i mean the numbers that you talk about they're just incredible and i mean where does someone start you know, if they're inspired by this grand scale of numbers and they want to start? Yeah, great question, Miranda. You know, when I, like, I didn't know what I was doing at first either. This was all new to me. Uh, and, and I think um, I refer back to one thing that Danny Thomas was famous for having said because he founded St. Jude. And people would ask him, um, I, I would love to help, but how do you ask people for money? <laughs> And, that, and that's a good question, right? How do you go up and ask people for money? And his simple answer was, ask proudly, because the cause is so worthy. And so I've had so many people donate and say, well, you know, first of all, we're lucky that you're alive and you're a friend and we want to help out. Others just say, what an incredible cause. I'm happy to donate. So what I do is I put together an email every year, and it's pretty much the same email, and I sometimes 
have a link in there to Dr. Von Ha for the latest clinical trial. And I'll read off some of the statistics and I'll tell them that all the money <clears throat> goes directly to Dr. Von Hoff or Dr. Evans now, both of them. And I think that, that you know, um, I think people feel comfortable knowing that as opposed to, say, giving your money to the American Cancer Society or whatever, this is going directly to two doctors that are doing a lot of research. So I send my email out. I follow up with another email. I follow up with another email. And that's the thing. I'm not afraid to ask because nobody gives unless, they, unless they're asked. And as I said before in Boston, the reason this foundation comes together and we have this event and Rogers raised $12 million over the years is because he has asked. He's had to ask. And so that's what I do. I ask. And every year they repeat and donate because they don't want to say no. It's, it's a worthy cause and they feel good about it. I mean, that's such a powerful statement. Nobody gives unless they're asked. So what are some other tips? I mean, you mentioned following up. You mentioned having like the personalized um, custom email that you send. What are some other things that you do that yeah, yeah, that's great, Marina. And, and Liz has helped a lot. Liz puts together a donor link. So it's as easy as clicking on that link and uploading a credit card and making the donation. Um, and again, I, I send that note out maybe two or three months before the event. We're going to have the event. Um, well, there's going to be a podcast or, or a virtual event in November, and then we'll have the main event probably in March. And so within probably in the next few weeks, I'll send my first email out and I will follow up and call a few folks um, and donations will start coming in. And then I have friends who used to work for Intel or still work for Intel. I've been able to get a significant matching donation from Intel every year. For instance, as an example, Intel Corporation matches up to $10,000 of a donation to the charity of your choice. So, and even though I'm retired from Intel, they still honor that. So I have probably 25 friends every year that donate from Intel and Intel matches that. So uh, I'll send that out and I'll follow up and I'll follow up again. And, and some people wait until the last minute and I know who they are, but every year I can count on them. And uh, my hope is that I can raise 65,000 this year. But most importantly, I, I can't do it alone. Um, my hundred donors can't do it alone. I, I, I really want others to try this and I'll help you. I'll help you put the email together. Liz will get you a donor link. You can do it in the name of another friend that you know that's battling cancer and, and raise money together. And I guarantee nobody will feel better about that than you. It is a good feeling to be a part of this. Yeah, definitely. And especially if you have the help of a professor to write your email. <laughs> well, um, something that we're passionate about here at the foundation and that your life is living proof against is the, the conversation that surrounds the diagnosis of pancreatic cancer. So let's talk about that. Yeah, that, that's a very good point, Miranda. And again, um, We've all read the statistics. I remember when when uh, Roger told me about Rick Schiffauer and and Rick was had been diagnosed maybe a year year and a half ago and maybe a year ago and and he eventually called me and I remember that conversation and 
Rick kept saying, yeah, but I've, I've read the statistics and how do you get around that? And, and we had a very candid conversation about that. And of course, and then when I watched Rick's podcast, he's the most positive guy on the planet. And when I had the pleasure of meeting him a few weeks ago, I've never felt a firmer handshake in my life. I mean, he's a powerful guy and Rick's convinced now that he's going to live forever. And that that's an amazing thing because I remember when we first had that conversation, he didn't feel that way. But I think, again, statistics, you have to recognize that these statistics are trailing statistics, right? A lot of these are from diagnoses that were made 10, 20, 30 years ago when treatments were more limited, there wasn't as early detection, there wasn't the advances in chemotherapy and radiation, there weren't the surgical procedures that exist now or quite often they'll shrink the tumor and then do the Whipple surgery. So please don't get caught up in the 9% or some other statistics. Again, my chance of survival was 30%. My surgeon said, forget that, you're gonna live to be 80. So please, if that's something you stay with, that you're gonna live to be 80 and you're gonna die of something else. And if you're already 80 and you've been diagnosed, then insert 90. But don't believe that stuff because it, it, as Rick mentioned in his podcast, a lot, I've heard too many stories of people that are diagnosed and they choose not to get treated. And, and of course, it's a personal choice. And I understand that everybody's in a different place in life. But for those who choose to be treated and choose to be treated, say, at Honor Health and the protocols that Dr. Von Hoff and Dr. Borzanzi have, surely that survival rate is much higher than that. And I'm living proof that, you know, I'm 13 years and I've been fine. And you have Camille and you have KKs and you've got Howard Young and you got a lot of thriving survivors. So please feel hopeful. <clears throat> There's a lot of reason for optimism. And, and you can see it in the people that you shake hands with every year at these events. So there's living proof that many, many people are surviving and thriving with very positive and op optimistic lives. Yeah, that's inspiring to hear. And like you said, Rick is one of the most positive people that I know now. So it's it's cool that you've been able to see his journey from the beginning to, to where he is now. And he's kind of following in your footsteps of raising, being able to raise so much uh, for the cause. You, you raise a good point, Miranda, because I noticed, um, here's an example, you know, when I when I would go to Facebook, I'm, I'm not a big Facebooker myself, I'm, I'm not much into social media, but I'll, I'll log in every now and then, and I, I'll see Tricia and Craig having a great time at some beach somewhere, just living life, and Steve Melke and Janine would always post from so many places, and Nate and Melissa, and Rick, now Rick has like a thousand followers, and he yeah. calls it his prayer nation, and I know, how powerful that is. Um, I know that one of the things that I remember coining to myself as I was going through this was what I call the four Fs, faith, family, friends, and fitness. And those were the only things that mattered to me when I was diagnosed. I mean, all the other things in life go by the wayside, right? It doesn't matter what car you drive or what house you live in or how much money's in your bank account. You think of your faith, and I'm a person of faith, and Rick has talked about that. You think about your family and your friends and all of the people that are there for you when you need them. That's what matters most when you go through this. And of course, staying fit and healthy because that allows you to fight this disease more going forward. So that's what resonated with me. And the fact that Rick has a prayer nation of a thousand people, I can't imagine anything that's more inspiring 
to give him hope and optimism and that many people hoping and praying for you. Yeah, I'm, he's definitely the most famous man on Facebook right now, for sure. <laughs> yes, he is. And it means so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, so encouraging and inspiring. And I'm sure that some of our listeners will take you up on helping them write their ask letter. So maybe we can get a copy and, and post it on our w website or something to give people an idea of where to start. I, I would be happy to do that, Miranda. And, and of course, similar to what Rick said in his podcast, anybody who wants to talk to a survivor, if you want to reach out, look, I've had two Whipple surgeries, so I'm a Whipple surgery veteran. So if, you, if you're needing to go through that, call me. I've survived just fine. I feel great. I work out every day. So it, it's not impacted my life adversely at all. So reach out if you want to help raise money, reach out if you just want to talk about surviving. I'm happy to be uh, an audience for either one of those topics. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything I missed? Uh, I, I, I'll probably think of something as soon as I get in the car to go home, Miranda. But right now, I, I just want to follow up by just closing by saying uh, I love the foundation. I, I, I really love what Roger's doing and Liz and the doctors and the volunteers and what you do, Miranda. Thank you for being a part of this. You're making a difference in a lot of people's lives. And let's face it, a lot of this is about is not about us or even current patients. It's the future. It's that hopefully five or 10 years from now, this diagnosis won't mean nearly have the adverse impact that people believe today and someday people will look back and say you know that used to be a terminal disease but it isn't anymore <clears throat> that's my hope that's our hope as well and, and we will get there thank well, you th well thank you so much for being here and to our audience thank you guys so much for listening uh, if you enjoyed be sure to subscribe and like and share with someone that you think might be impacted and uh, we appreciate you so keep Tuning in to hear more incredible stories like Stan's. Thank you, Miranda.